The crucible is for silver, and the furnace is for gold, and the Lord tests the hearts. Proverbs 17.3 For most of us, this is not an unfamiliar verse. And even if it is, if we've spent any time in church, then more than likely, we've heard this concept multiple times. We attribute what's described in Proverbs 17.3 to a, a type of purification process, one in which God refines us by some spiritual heat. But what does this process really look like? What does it mean for us to be refined? And furthermore, how does God participate? Perhaps sometimes we envision this testing by fire as God just tossing us in the furnace, waiting and seeing what comes out. Almost as if God is passive, or worse even, not participating at all in our struggles. At least, this is sometimes how it feels. But he, like any craftsman, is more intimately involved than that. Because he loves you, he is actively engaged in the process of your refinement. But before we go any further, let's take a moment to define the word refine. In a general sense, refining is the process of purification of a substance or a form. The Cambridge Dictionary defines the word refine as to make something pure or improve something, especially by removing unwanted material, and to improve something by making small changes. The term is usually used of a natural resource that is almost in a usable form, but which is more useful in its pure form. For example, most types of petroleum will burn directly from the ground, but it will burn poorly, and it can quickly clog an engine with harmful residues and byproducts. So, refining is essentially improving something that is almost in usable form by making small changes. Now, wouldn't it be great if God would just snap his fingers or blink an eye and everything in us and around us is worked out or resolved? Wouldn't life be much easier? Furthermore, if God's goal is for us to become more Christ-like, then why can't he do that instantly and just save us and him the trouble? Is all the testing really necessary? After all, what sensible teacher gives their student a test if a perfect grade is already guaranteed? Really, what's the point? If according to David, God formed our inward parts and knitted us together in the wombs of our mothers, and he keeps us while going out and coming in, and while man looks on the outward appearance, the Lord looks at the heart, again, is, is testing really required? Doesn't God already know our hearts? Perhaps. But do you know his? Maybe. Just maybe. There's more to Proverbs 17.3 than we realize. Maybe there's something we're missing. In this two-part series, as we examine Proverbs 17.3, we will be discussing three crucial, fundamental truths that are revealed to us. In this podcast, entitled Testing of the Heart, we will look at the first and second of these truths, while in the second podcast, we'll explore the third. To adequately understand the truths we wish to explore, I believe it's important to first gain a better understanding of the actual refining process. So let's begin. At a basic level, many of us are familiar with the heating process that separates impurities from precious metals. We've probably heard it many times in Bible studies or sermons. Specifically, gold and silver are heated to a certain temperature that causes impurities, known as dross, to float to the top. 
the craftsmen would then remove the dross, sometimes called scum, from the molten metal. But keep in mind, this isn't what we'd consider an instant process. Refinement takes time. Now, what I just described is the simplified version of refinement, but in reality, the process is a little bit more involved. There's considerable effort. Once gold or silver ore is mined, it is introduced to a cyanide solution that separates the metal from rock and produces something called dore. This process, known as leaching, can be performed in two ways. In the first method, known as fat leaching, finely crushed ore is mixed with cyanide salt water. The cyanide binds to the ions of the metal, makes them soluble in water, thereby allowing separation from the rock. Alternatively, heat leaching is used for low-quality ore, or sometimes to reprocess waste material from other extraction methods. In this process, a large outdoors mound of ore is sprayed with a cyanide solution that drips through the rock over time. The resulting liquid is collected at the bottom, and the metal is chemically extracted. Now, less metal is collected in this process, but it's, it's a lot cheaper. What happens next can differ between gold and silver, but it's fundamentally the same idea. For gold, it is reliquified in a furnace and heaped with generous amounts of soda ash and borax, separating the gold from impurities and other metal traces. With the introduction of borax, melting points of all minerals are lowered, and since gold is the heaviest of common minerals, it concentrates at the bottom of the crucible. For silver, different techniques can be used for extraction depending on the concentrates found in the dore, but the result is still the same. The result of either process is what's considered the quote-unquote pure version of the precious metal. However, the pure version, while very valuable, is somewhat useless as pure gold or silver is very soft. Therefore, an alloy is added to the metal to strengthen it and make it usable. Now, the point of sharing all this with you is not to simply educate you on the refining process of gold and silver, as thrilling as some of you may find it to be. Science nerds unite. Woohoo! No, just kidding. Instead, my intent is to demonstrate the long, laborious process required for separating the precious metals from their impurities for the purpose of, get this, maximizing their value and usefulness. As I stated previously, and hopefully you can now appreciate it a bit more, the refinement process isn't quick and it isn't simple. It takes time and considerable effort. There's a required amount of patience from the craftsman. Malachi 3.3 tells us that the Lord sits patiently refining and purifying his people. He isn't quick as we sometimes hope, he won't simply snap his fingers as we would often prefer. Instead, God is carefully, meticulously involved in our refinement. And this leads us to our first truth. Refinement is a process of extending grace. In Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24, David exclaims, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any grievous way in me, and lead me in the way of everlasting. And in Psalm 26, verse 2, he petitions, Prove me, Lord, and try me. Test my heart and my mind. With gold and silver, as with any mineral, we have the ability to test it. It is something we can see. It is, it's tangible. 
We can place these metals in a crucible or furnace and apply a refining process to them for extracting them in their purest form. The process is methodical and it can be applied uniformly. But there is no vessel for the hearts of mankind and the, and the refinement process for each heart is different. There is no such thing as a, a one-size-fits-all approach when it comes to refining our hearts. While we desire that our refinement was as simple as saying a prayer or signing a sheet of paper, getting baptized, or any number of acts for showing commitment, the truth is, it's not. Refinement is not an instantaneous process. Many of us would even settle for participating in weekly Bible studies or regular acts of service, as long as we could see visible changes within us. But that's just not how it works. Often the changes that are taking place within us are beyond what anyone, including ourselves, can see. God has his own spiritual cyanide solution, if you would, that separates the hard, rocky material from covering our hearts. And like soda ash and borax, he knows the amount of struggle and testing required that appropriately raises and lowers the temperature in our lives to allow the dross to rise to the top. He hasn't simply thrown you into a pot and now waits around to see how you'll fare. He is delicately and passionately involved in the process like any master craftsman. And he will not hurry nor skip the process, no matter how much we'd like for him to. You must go through, not someone else's, but your own individualized process so that God can separate you from the scum of sin that has covered you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made, but you have to be patient and let God work that out in you. But you know, I get it. This can be incredibly frustrating. Life is already difficult, and this refinement process doesn't make it any easier. You would think that, that God would show a little bit of compassion and just give us a break. What we don't realize, however, is He already has. The refinement process is a demonstration of God's grace toward us. It wasn't God that made us dirty. It wasn't He that entangled us in the cares of this world and trapped us in our sin. We chose this. We opted for the dirt rather than the glory. And in reality, God has every right to cast us aside without taking us through the refining process. He doesn't owe us refinement, but He chooses to take us through the process. And he's right there at every moment of the refining. That, y'all, is grace. Peter tells us that the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, but he is patient toward you, not wishing any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Paul writes to the Romans that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance. You see, the fact that God has not cast us aside into a a pile of rubble, but is patiently and almost surgically removing the dross from our lives is an example of his mercy and grace towards us. And it is this kind craftsman that calls us by name and draws us to repentance. My friends, don't be in such a hurry for refinement that you miss the opportunity to realize the fullness of God's grace. The second truth I want to share with you is that Refinement is a process of realizing our value and maximizing our usefulness. Again, I've, I've mentioned in a couple of times already 
but we'd all prefer that our hearts and minds are instantly transformed into a complete likeness of Christ as soon as we accept Him as our Lord and Savior. And in some cases, and for certain scenarios, this may be the case. But it doesn't always happen like that. You know that. Furthermore, we may hope that everything, trials and temptations, pain and struggles, that happened in our lives prior to our conversion would no longer have any effect on us since Christ has taken residence in our hearts, that somehow our life takes the form of a reset. This may be true spiritually, but not true physically. Physically, it's impossible for two reasons. One, sin is in this world and will reign in this world until Christ returns. The effects of sin will still be felt by the believer. And two, there's a purpose Get this, there is a purpose to our experiences. Remember, while pure gold and silver are extremely valuable, neither can be used unless an alloy is added to give it strength. Our experiences is the alloy that our master craftsman adds to our lives to strengthen us and make us useful. Now, just to be clear, it's not the sin that God adds because God cannot tempt us, but rather it's his allowance of the struggles we endure because of the sin existing in this world. Our ability to endure and overcome struggles is one way that God increases our usefulness in the kingdom. Through the struggles, we experience God's comfort and his sustaining power. Paul's second letter to the church of Corinth tells us that God comforts us so that we can comfort others. And in comforting others, we point them to God. You see, it is absolutely necessary for us to experience the joys and sorrows of this world so that through those experiences, we can demonstrate the power of God in our lives. These additives of alloy strengthen us so that we may strengthen others and all may glorify God. In short, the refining, hardening process that you go through is a process of expanding worship. Your refinement not only increases the worship in your life, but it also increases the worship in the lives of those around you. Instead of instant deliverance, God allows you to experience the trials so that you can also experience his presence. You are then able to share the hope that you have with others, and in sharing this hope, in digging deep into the lives of others and uncovering their unrefined or you're able to realize the very good things we have in Christ. Again, your ability to endure maximizes your usefulness. Do not give up. Do not lose heart. Finally, while you patiently wait on God in his refining process, not giving up, rest assured that God has not given up on you, nor will he. If he started his good work in you, then he will bring it to completion. He is able to keep you and sustain you even through the pain of fire. And after the refining is over, he will present you blameless before his glorious presence with great joy. God, my friends, is faithful. But can I just encourage you? Can I leave you with this? Take a breath, be patient, and simply rest in the process.